Welcome to our weekly podcast. We are in week two of a series called Marks of a Healthy Church. For six weeks this summer, we're talking about six essential marks or essential characteristics that all healthy churches have in common. Our key passage for this series is Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. We're also going to be in Romans chapter 12 today. All of the marks that we're talking about this summer are clearly seen in this passage in Acts chapter 2 and in the example of the early church. Each week, we'll read from Acts chapter 2, and then we'll look to other passages throughout God's Word to help bring greater clarity and some practical application for what it is we're talking about. Last week, we kicked off our series by talking about why biblical preaching and teaching is such an essential mark of a healthy church. We learned that the church is a community formed by God's Word. It's a community always ready to share God's Word and a community standing firm on God's Word. It's safe to say that the authority of God's Word is the most important doctrine in the church. That's because if we're not being formed by the Word, if we're not actively sharing the Word and standing firm on the Word, then we're not the church that God has called us to be. Today, we're going to look at another essential mark that all healthy churches have in common. So if you have a Bible, let's look to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And as I read this passage, see if you can identify the mark that we're going to focus in on today. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The second mark of a healthy church is found in verse 42, just like last week's mark. I'm going to read the first part of that verse. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to fellowship. So the second mark that we see is a unified devotion to authentic biblical community or fellowship. Over the past 13 years, I've had the privilege of serving on staff in a full-time capacity at three different Christian churches. So I've served at churches in McAllister, Oklahoma, Clayton, Indiana, and here in Onalaska at OCC. So whether we were in Oklahoma, Indiana, or here in Wisconsin, uh, there's one thing that's been consistent at every church we've been a part of. At all three of these churches, there have been Christians who prioritize building strong, lifelong friendships with other people in the church. These are the kind of friendships that not only last, but grow through the good times and the bad. But there have also been Christians who never got close to other people. They chose to remain on the fringe as they went through life. These are the people who never experienced close relationships with other people in the church. No one regularly prayed for them by name because they didn't know them very well. And no one was able to care for their needs because they didn't know what was going on in their lives. These Christians may have had good jobs and full bank accounts, but they were poor in terms of having meaningful relationships within the body of Christ. Maybe you've known someone like this, or maybe this describes you. 
I've said before that there are private aspects of our faith. Things like prayer, uh, giving, our quiet time with the Lord. These are private aspects of our faith. But I've also said that our faith was never meant to be lived out in isolation. You know, living a private, isolated faith within the body of Christ is an oxymoron. Those two things just don't go together. That's because God has created each and every one of us with a need for relationship. Relationship with him and with others. God has created us to live in community with other people. And that's what authentic biblical community or fellowship is all about. It'd be really easy for any one of us to come to church on Sundays, sit in a seat, sing some songs, listen to a sermon, and then go home completely disconnected from the people we were just with. It's possible to sit two feet away from other Christians on Sundays and then be a world apart throughout the rest of the week. Now, I understand that some people would say they prefer this, but I need to be honest with you today. This is not God's design for how Christians are called to live. Instead, God has called us to devote ourselves to authentic biblical community. And thankfully, God has given us a blueprint for what his design for community or fellowship is meant to look like. One of the best examples that we have of what authentic biblical community is meant to look like is found in Romans chapter 12, really the entire chapter, verses 1 through 21. Um, But over the next couple of weeks, we're going to focus in on verses 4 through 16. In this passage, the Apostle Paul gives us roughly 25 commands and exhortations describing how God has called us to live in community with others. Now, most of these commands specifically apply to the relationships that we have within the church, so the relationships that we have with other believers. Paul is saying that our vertical relationship with God should have a direct effect on our horizontal relationship with other Christians. So if we're growing in our relationship with God, then naturally we should also be growing in our relationships with other believers. These 25 commands and exhortations can be summarized by the 10 one another's that we see throughout this passage. These one another's help us understand God's design for authentic biblical community. And that's why I've decided to do this message in two parts. Um, Today, we're going to focus in on the first five one another's, and then next week, we'll focus in on the remaining five. So if you're taking notes, the first one another that we see is that we belong to one another. We belong to one another. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5 says, for just as each of us has one body with many parts, and these members do not all have the same function, So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Each member belongs to all the others. Uh, Paul paints a word picture here, a word picture of the physical human body, and he does so to help us understand this awesome truth of how we belong to one another. Just like the many parts of the human body, uh, we all individually help make up the body of Christ. And what makes the body of Christ so unique so different from all other communities that we see in the world is that we're not connected by ethnicity. We're not connected by social status, hobbies, or even politics. We're connected. We belong to one another because we're in Christ. So although our ethnicity, social status, hobbies, politics may differ, the one thing that we all have in common is Jesus. 
And in the body of Christ, friends, Jesus is enough. As I get older, my body doesn't have the same kind of energy that it used to. I'm sure it's the same for you as well. Uh, Things hurt unexpectedly, and I don't always like the way that my body looks. Well, it's the same within the body of Christ. You know, sometimes our church family can be challenging. It can be challenging because the body of Christ is made up of individual parts, individual people that are all different and are meant to work together for a common purpose. So just like our physical bodies, the body of Christ doesn't always function in the way that it's meant to. But this is part of what it means to belong to one another. It's, it's like a family. When you know and belong to Jesus, you also know and belong to his church, his bride. A community that's sometimes marked by unpredictable dynamics and unwanted drama. But even with all of its challenges, all the pain... All the confusion sometimes. The church is the primary vehicle that God has chosen to use to get the good news of Jesus out all over the world. So even when it's hard, we belong to one another. The second one another that we're going to talk about is that we are gifted for one another. We're gifted for one another. We see this in Romans 12, verses 6 through 8. Paul writes that we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. You know, one thing that we see in this passage, as well as the rest of the New Testament, is that every Christian, from the youngest to the oldest, has gifts that God has given them. Not only has God given us gifts, but he's also given us everything that we need to put those gifts into action. Just like the human body that has many different parts. We've all been given different gifts that are meant to be used to help the body of Christ function properly as a whole. I've said it before that while we come to know Christ individually, we were never meant to live in Christ alone. We were never meant to live in Christ alone. Every person that makes up our church family is important. In fact, no part of the body is greater than the other. And we are meant to learn how to move and work together. You know, it's common in most churches across our country for about 30% of the people to do 100% of the work, right? That's not just a made-up statistic, right? There are figures and numbers out there that show that to be true. Now, I don't think that's the case here at OCC, but I do know this. We do not have 100% of the people doing 100% of the work. Can you imagine if only 30% of your physical body was functioning properly? I mean, that would be terrible. You might actually die if that was the case, There are a lot of people here who are not using the gifts that God has given them to serve and to help the church accomplish the mission that God has invited us into. So Paul reminds us that we were gifted for one another. We're meant to use the gifts that God has given us to serve God by serving alongside one another. Now, there are more than 15 different ministries here at OCC, more than 15. And if you're not currently plugged in, serving in some way, I would love to to talk to you about that. If you're interested in serving, now maybe because you're listening to the podcast, maybe uh, church online is the best option for you. 
You know, we can have authentic biblical community even online. That's why we have our online service. We have a whole team of volunteers who serve each week for our live service. They connect with people. They pray with people. They share uh, the truths that are shared from the stage with people all over. That's one way that you can serve. If you're listening to the podcast and you're thinking, you know, God wants me to get back uh, into church physically. You know, I need that in my life. I need to be around other Christians. Um, There's over 15 different ministries here that you can get plugged into, you can get involved with. We are gifted for one another. That leads us to the third and final point for today, and that is we love, are devoted to, and honor one another. We love, are devoted to, and honor one another. We see this in Romans 12, 9, and 10. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. So this is really three one another's in one point. So I'm going to break them down individually, and then you'll see how they're meant to fit together. First, we're called to love one another, and we're called to do so in a way that is sincere and genuine. There's a lot of counterfeit love in the world today. A lot of people say that specific things are love, but that's not how God defines love. There's a lot of counterfeit love. But that's not the kind of love that God has called us to have towards one another. The kind of love that Paul writes about in Romans 12 isn't a fake, superficial, or surface-level kind of love. It's deep. It's real. It's powerful. And it's a committed kind of love. The Greek word that Paul uses here for love is the Greek word agape. Agape. Agape love is often used to refer to an unselfish kind of love. And not only is it unselfish or selfless, It's also love in action, right? It's not just saying that you love someone. It's showing through your actions. We don't love our church family based on what we can get from them. It's not a selfish kind of love. We love one another selflessly and sincerely in order to serve one another well. My family has experienced this kind of agape love from our church family so many times over the past three years. Uh, One very special memory that we have is from when we first moved here. I remember driving into Onalaska with our Pinsky moving truck uh, and pulling up to the house that we would end up renting for the first year that we were here. Um, We turned the corner on 10th Street in Onalaska, and as we did, we saw about 30 people from the church standing in the front yard ready to help us unload the truck and get moved in. There was also a giant sign on our garage door welcoming our family. Some people even had lunch prepared. You know, what would have taken us at least a couple of days only took about an hour because of all the hands that were willing to help. You know, many hands make light work. We didn't ask the church to do this, but you guys showed up ready to help, ready to serve our family in a way that we will never forget. And this is only one example of many that we've experienced and have seen since we first arrived. You know, this church consistently looks for opportunities to love one another in selfless and sincere ways. Friends, I want to encourage you to continue to love one another in this way, with a kind of agape love that Paul is talking about, that love in action. Second, we're called to be devoted to one another. So the first half of verse 10 says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Now, the last phrase there, brotherly love, is very important. When Paul wrote this, he was writing about a kind of care and devotion that you have for the members of your own family. 
So in each of our families, there are things that we do, responsibilities that we have to care for one another, to serve one another. There are unique and special responsibilities that we have that we don't have for non-family members. And this is the kind of care and devotion that Paul says we should have for one another within the body of Christ, within the church, because we're a spiritual family in Christ. Now, one of the best ways, one of the most practical ways that we can be devoted to one another is by looking for ways to care for the needs of others. This is upside-down living because the world teaches us that we should take care of our own needs first. We should take care of ourselves first. But God has actually designed our needs to be met by focusing on meeting the needs of others. So instead of prioritizing a worldly kind of self-care, we need to put Philippians 2-3 into practice. We, we should do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, we value others above ourselves. You know, everywhere else in the world, community is focused on what you can get. But in the church, it's different. In the church, community is focused on what you can give. So as we begin each day in the Word, And in prayer, we should also look for opportunities to glorify God by caring for the needs of others. In a world that's focused on me, myself, and I, this kind of upside-down living will be attractive to other people. It'll make an impression on others because we're genuinely valuing others above ourselves. John chapter 13, verse 35, reminds us that the world will know that we are Christians by the way we love and serve one another. The first century church, they left a lasting impression for Christ by the way they served one another in love. And you know what? We're called to do the exact same thing. We're called to be devoted to one another. Well, finally, we're called to honor one another. Called to honor one another. Pastor Craig Groeschel of Life Church likes to say that respect is earned, but honor is is given. And I would have to agree with him about that. That's what we see in Scripture. The second half of verse 10 in Romans 12 says, honor one another above yourselves. This isn't conditional kind of honor. This is a command. He's saying, honor one another above yourselves. I really like the ESV translation, which says, outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another. So we can honor others really in one of two ways. Uh, The first involves selfish ulterior motives. So we honor our bosses so that they'll reward us. We honor our employees so they'll work harder. We honor the wealthy so that they'll contribute to our cause. We honor the powerful so they'll use their influence for us and not against us. But the second is a godly way to honor. It involves love and devotion. See, as Christians, we honor one another because we know that we have been made in God's image, because we're brothers and sisters in Christ, and because we're called to put the needs of others above our own. Paul knew that God's way of honoring others goes directly against our selfish, sinful nature, and that's why he says, outdo one another in showing honor. He's saying, show one another up in this. Outdo one another in showing honor. The kind of honor that Paul is talking about is the kind of honor that esteems, cherishes, values, builds up, encourages, and treats others as individuals who are precious in the eyes of God. I think that's a great definition for honor. To loving one another, being devoted to one another, and honoring one another in the way that God has called us to, this requires 
a complete submission to God and an effort on our part every day to put the needs of others above our own. It means praying about how we can use the gifts that God has given us to serve him by serving others well. It means looking for opportunities to give of our time, our talents, and our treasure to help others grow in their faith. You know, when you spend time growing others, it grows you. That's just a byproduct. When you spend time growing others, it grows you. It also means being a servant, taking up our cross and following Jesus every single day. So the early church, they devoted themselves to authentic biblical community or fellowship, and we are called to do the exact same thing. We belong to one another. Even when there's a lot of differences in our lives, whether it's our hobbies, our politics, social status, whatever it is, Jesus is what brings us together. And we are gifted for one another. We're called to use the gifts that God has given us to serve him by serving others well. Like all the parts of the human body, every single person in Christ has to do their part if the body of Christ is going to function properly. We love, are devoted to, and honor one another. So we're called to sacrificially and selflessly serve one another. We look for opportunities to meet one another's needs. These first five one another's, I think they provide a great starting point for what it means to be devoted to authentic biblical community. And friends, I can't wait to share the remaining five with you next week. But this week, just be reminded, we we belong to one another. Look for those opportunities uh, to be together. Um, Use your gifts for the glory of God and for the good of his church. Love, be devoted to and honor your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ.